Hey folks, welcome to the Dunstan Checks In Cast. My name is Brian. With me as always are, are Vince and Zach. No, it's the DC3 cast, but we're talking about the comic event of the summer of 1999, and that is JL Ape Guerrilla Warfare. So, have you I'm, heard the song of the summer? <laughs> it's uh, Get, Lu- Get Lucky by Daft Punk. <laughs> of, course, of course it is. Um, so I, I want to do this episode a little bit differently than we've been doing these so far. Because I, I don't think you guys want me to like go page by page through the Wonder Woman uh, JLA annual, right? Absolutely not. Okay. So, first of all, is it just me? Or does JLA seem like an event that happened 25 years too late? <laughs> Absolutely. You mean because it's like early Silver Age nonsense? or? Yeah, I feel like this would have definitely happened. Like, obviously there weren't events in the same way at that time. But couldn't you see this in the 60s or 70s? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it's going for. It's going for the the fact that, like... Back in the day, before, like even back to the golden age, really, but but in the silver age too, like heroes are heroes turning into apes or villains just being talking apes for some reason was a thing that was really popular to do in a comic book. Think about how many talking ape characters there are at DC Comics alone. Well, that Martian know? Manhunter annual goes through a lot of them. Yeah, exactly, and like. It's just a product of, I guess, that being a, a weird science fiction angle that a lot of writers um, wanted to try to do. I don't know if it. I don't know if it's like a Planet of the Apes thing, but at some point, like talking apes captured America's imagination, <laughs> or at least DC Comics imagination. Yeah. So, we were not originally going to read this one. But I lobbied to get this on the books for us for three reasons. The first is I feel like we have read events that, whether in their in their writing or in their reception afterwards, became important. Almost everything we've read was conceived to be like an earth-shattering event for DC Comics. This is considerably not that. This was not supposed to change anything or alter the status quo. So I think it's interesting for that reason. I also think it's worth reading because there this was this was how this is how events were done for many years, which is it would run through the annuals and we didn't do the bloodlines annuals because a certain member of the DC3 cast refused to do it. Um, and so we haven't done like this type of an event yet. And the third one is just I think that the three of us oftentimes talk about like death metal let's say about being big dumb comic fun and how we really love that big dumb comic fun and this is going for that exact same thing but it doesn't ever really get there so i think that those three things put together make for an interesting conversation so i kind of want to take this conversation in those three in those three categories. So the first one being that this was not meant to be a big status quo shift. It was meant to be like a goofy, fun DC event. On just that criteria, does this book work? No. No. I agree. 
it's it's bad even even despite that why is this go ahead zach i i just had a quick aside because this is something i was thinking about the whole time i was reading it How, how many how many issues do you think of the first issue the jla issue were sold do you know the answer to this I do know the answer, yeah. Okay. You're talking about JLA Annual Number Three. Yeah, yeah, the first part of this crossover. All right, so obviously annuals always sell poorer than just a regular issue of a book. Um, this is during a a time when comics were not like super duper popular, but they're selling way more than they were selling now. I'm gonna say. That the JLA annual sold eighty five thousand copies. Vince? Vince, do you do you have a contribution? Um, eighty five thousand and one, Bob. <laughs> it you. it sold fifty six thousand copies. Damn. Okay. That's that's, uh, that's good by today's yeah. standards. That is good. Um, so a lot of the other. One sold like in the twenty to forty thousand range. Um, Is that I'm just trying... people who are buying JLA anyway and and are completionists? I don't know. The main JLA book was selling like eighty thousand copies at that time. So yes, I would think most of those are. the The last issue, the Martian Manhunter issue, sold twenty four thousand copies. Okay. Yeah. So so there were. Twice as many rubes who picked up this first issue <laughs> as who made it to the end. Um, so why, why do you think... Well, first of all, when was the last time DC did an event that was, that was designed like this to not be a status quo shakeup for anybody that was just supposed to be like a fun summer event? Can you think of another DC event recently that's done this? I mean, I mean, convergence was ostensibly. No, that was. That, supp- that. I mean, it that, didn't do anything. That led to the creation of Jonathan Kent. It, it, okay, it did, okay, yeah. How quickly you forget Telos? I was gonna say it also <laughs> gave us the Telos ongoing or mini ongoing. I don't remember what that was. Yeah, I don't know. Did, um, did so- something like Batman Night of the Monster Men? Oh, but I think that was just like a general story crossover, and that actually did play into King's run, if you'll recall. Well, I mean, yes. yeah, but that that and that also that was just a like a small quote small bat event. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Marvel does these kinds of annual annual stories a lot more, or at least they they did in recent years i don't think dc has done anything like this in a long time no and i'm not saying that there should be more events like jla because folks who even read this it's it's not great but what i will say is i sort of like these these fun events i'm putting fun in quotes here but these fun events that don't have a ton of skin in the game I think that can be a fun way to do something with these characters. I don't think this is particularly successful, but, you know. But, yeah. 
All right, so before we get to the second part, I, I want to just kind of go through some of these issues just a, just very little bit. Did you any of you guys read the Legends of the DC Universe issue with Impulse and Max Mercury? Oh, yeah, I did, I did. Yeah, Garble Mammoth. That's. Uh, Do you want to think about how the pa- the page count of this crossover rivals Crisis on Infinite Earth? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Yes, uh, yes it does. Oh. Man, I'm sorry, guys. Um, the only, uh, yeah, yeah, it probably it does. It does. I'm sure. So this, the one thing I did want to say about this issue, is that it is illustrated. If you read the front cover, it's by Pop Mahan, who we've uh-huh. seen do work recently at DC. Yes. But interiorly, it's Pop Mahan, M A H N. And I tried to figure out if that was a typo or if there was an artist named that. That's a separate that's artist. That's who we see. That, that's who we see today. Is no. M H A N? No, we no, see no. M H A N. Yeah. What did you say? What did I say? You said M A H N. No, I said M H A N. That's what I meant, at least. <laughs> well, what I said was the person who's credited on the cover is the person we see. But anyway, but there's, there's it's both. It's a typo. A, it's a typo. But there is a pop man also. <laughs> the, both of these people, there are comic creators. There are like listings for comic books under both names. So I don't know if that's just like a fuck up on everyone's part or if there's actually two different comic artists named Pop. It's no. got to be. No, it has to be pop, a typo, right? It's a typo. Okay. Pop, pop Mon illustrated the Bionicle comic. Friend of the show, James Johnston. <laughs> will be very interested in that. Um, but so uh, the only thing I wanted to say about this impulse issue here was that I really liked when in the uh, Flash books, Mac Mer- Max Mercury was sort of the the mentor for Impulse. That's a that's a very good status quo. And reading this issue, I was reminded of that very good status quo. But then I also had to see things like, uh, like, uh, well, what's that character's name? Vince, you just said. <laughs> Gorbel Mamet. Gorbel Mamet. Son. Yes, laying in bed with a with, with a non intelligent uh, female ape, watching Basking TV. Basking in the afterglow. <laughs> yes. To become like an Adam and Eve. Yes. Soon. <sighs> um, did we talk about how this was? Uh, written by uh, Fred Leminski, Frank Leminski. <laughs> no, he did not. Uh, who would do a couple of issues of this book? It's it's not Frank. It's what's his real that's name? That's not this issue. That's the next issue. Yeah, the, you're right. You're right. You're this right. Is he, he, Jason Hernandez Rosenblatt. Sure, sure. But the the bookend issues were written by Frank Leminski. Yes. We'll get to his real name in a minute. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Any any other thoughts on that issue? Um, well, off oh. to a good start. <laughs> yes, off <laughs> to a good start. So, um, the JLA issue is it begins about Solivar and how he is, you know, the president of Gorilla City. Now they're known to the world, and he's becoming a celebrity. And then he gets blown up. And uh, this was written by. Len Frank Kaminsky, sorry, Len Frank Leminsky Kaminsky, uh, illustrated by Jason Orfalis, someone I'm not familiar with necessarily. 
So can we can we pause here to address that? Because like, not you know, I don't want to disparage anybody, but like, my he overall says as he begins to disparage yeah, someone. Yes, my overall thesis about JLA is that I'm glad we're talking about it because it's a great example of an event that does basically everything wrong. And part of that is it just doesn't have a ton of artists on it that are very like eventy artists or are, you know, really somebody that you're plopping down money for, you know, like, like I want a book drawn by that person, you know, um, there's a couple of exceptions as we go that I'll bring up when we get to them. But, um, but for the most part, like, that's one of uh, JL Ape's weaknesses, the art. Uh, it's a lot of writers who are clearly just doing like gig work, right? Yeah. That's probably why none of this is intended to matter because they didn't hire any writers who, and the, the end all be all of writing a good event is not necessarily hiring the same five people you always do. But like clearly they were given a one issue job that they, you know, we're free to handle like pretty inconsistently, which we'll talk about as we go. But like, like clearly this didn't really matter to DC either. And you can see in the resources that they put towards it or, or like the, the, the editorial care that was not present throughout this event. Um, yeah. And just, just, just the fact that there's like artists doing like, frankly, mediocre work. Um, mostly who aren't like popular names at all or, or indie names, you know, they're not, they're not really, they're like hatchet men, basically. I mean, to be fair, Jason Orfalis could have had a lot of buzz behind him in 99 and he wouldn't have known it. No, no, maybe not. But like, I, I just think that speaks to the weakness of, I, I agree. I agree. Of the event. We gotta, we gotta track down some old, old wizard issues and find yeah. out. <laughs> Uh, so a couple of things about this uh, this page of the exploding limousine with Salivar in it. It says ska blam. So I, I heard it just like horns, like uh, <laughs> like some some trombones. Really, it is, yeah. Really. Third wave ska. Blast. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this was also the time when Wally was wearing a different Flash costume, which is terrible. I want to like it because it's different. But it, it it just it this this costume screams nineteen ninety nine redesign. Yeah, in nineteen ninety nine. You know what we say when the costumes aren't great. It's not a ten out of ten. It's not a ten out of ten. Yeah, in nineteen ninety nine, Major League Baseball held a night called Turn Ahead the Clock Night, where Major League Baseball teams had to wear uniforms inspired like from the future, and so the Mets were the Mercury Mets, and. Uh, they put pictures on the jumbotron of players like as Martians, essentially. Boy, and this looks like he's wearing a, like a, a costume from Turn Turn Ahead the Clock Night. So the Doomsday Clock. Ooh, there you go. So um, the the I'm just gonna do this as briefly as I can. The JLA gets invited to Gorilla City. They get ambushed and they're turned into apes. Thus, the rest of the series <laughs> commences mm-hmm. from here. Um. This this issue had the capacity to be fun, 
and maybe got close to fun, but never quite got there. Would you guys agree with that? Um, that's that's being charitable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Compared I, to some oh, of the I, other I, issues, I enjoyed almost none of this. This I, yeah, I don't think I I don't think that there is anything approaching fun in this, which is like this could be funny or fun this could be playful but it's almost never is this like this is played straight like the whole time mostly yeah there's one exception there's one exception to that that we'll get to that that i thought but but yes i agree with you zach i guess what i mean is that i think this concept is a lot of fun it could be a lot of fun. No, it could be. You're telling me if fucking Mark Russell wrote this, it wouldn't be a ball. I I don't I don't like those Silver Age issues where uh, characters turn into apes. I don't like. I generally don't like apes as the villain. So, I've, I've just so have no so interest pissed, in the concept. You're just anti-ape is what it comes down to. No, 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 I'm not. I'm just saying that does nothing for... Uh, when people say, like, ah, this looks like fun when there's a bunch of apes wearing superhero costumes on the cover, that's not my idea of fun. All right, so if it was if it was J.L. Um, if it was, like, penguins, you'd be fine with it, is what you're saying. No, 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 no. I, it's not the apes. It's the... It's the, the you keep the, saying the... it's not the apes, but then you keep pointing to the fact that it's the apes. I, there's I a there's... part in this crossover where a giant whale gets hit by a ray beam and turns into a giant gorilla. <laughs> and it's That's... still it's still not... No, it's not fun. Okay, that... that... But you saying that, Zach, probably is a good transition for for another one of my arguments against this thing. A lot of times, I'm not for this thing. I just want to make that very clear. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, you are actually the de facto one who is for it, in that (laughs) you said we had to talk about it. Yeah, and I'm somewhere in the middle, Zach. (laughs) And I'm only somewhere in the middle because there was one issue that kind of liked that we'll talk about, and Zach didn't like any of it, so he's the other guy. No. This brings me to my point, though, that, like, Zach, that big ridiculous scene that you just mentioned. Here's when when people tell you to go to a popcorn movie and turn off your brain or read a dumb superhero comic and turn off your brain like death metal, for example. Let's talk about Scott Snyder's death metal. That book is full of dumb ideas. But this entire crossover is basically one dumb idea and so when people tell me to like shut off my brain and enjoy death metal i can do that because almost every page is showing you a wacky new idea almost every new page of that book has something new and weird and different to look at or a joke that makes you laugh or an image you can't believe that you're seeing or something along those lines you know it's definitely dumb in the way that superhero comics can be. But this is like, it's so many pages of just gorilla puns. The whole thing is just one dumb gag. And, and I can't shut off my brain and enjoy a book like this when it goes on this long and it's a one-note gag. I just cannot do it. So, so if you're asking me why I can't enjoy this, but I can enjoy something 
else that's dumb, it's for that reason. Because I don't, I don't disagree with that. I don't. Yeah. Um, I just, I guess, my point was that I don't. First of all, I don't eat. I don't hate apes like certain people do, but I'm, I don't hate apes. Well, that remains to be seen. But um, <laughs> I, cr- I cried when the zoo's pleasant ape was shot with a no scope headshot. The ape who died. <laughs> Yes, I, I was a big fan of of Dunstan's check in, checks in, and I I liked uh, what was that movie with the gorilla? Outbreak. No, Mighty Joe Young. Yes, that's it. That's the one. I thought you were talking about the other gorilla movie from the same time where he was the baseball player. Everyone knows that Optimus Primal is one of the best Transformers characters of all time. Yeah. Anyway, but what I was saying is, just, I guess, um, I just like the idea of DC deciding they're going to do an event that isn't going to take itself seriously. You know what the best part of this whole thing was? What? Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and jump to the very end when uh, they just cycle through all, all of the ape-related DC characters. We'll get to that. And it's we'll very fun. I know we will, but... I took us there. Okay. Anyway, I, I'm just gonna say so. There's a bomb that goes off at the uh, at the United Nations, turns lots of people into apes, and basically this issue ends with the status quo being that there's people turning into apes all over. A bunch of the JLA are apes, but they're starting to be able to control their powers, and they need uh, they need to uh, to try and save the world. That whole thing follows almost no logic. The uh the when when the JLA can control their apeness yes. yeah. versus when they can. Yeah. Another thing that makes this a bad event, okay. which which ties that into the, the whole editorial oversight thing I was talking about. Yes. This is just so hacky. So the one character that does not become an ape is, of course, the Batman, because he couldn't be the ape man, because we, as we've established, that is a kink song. Um the Batman annual is the only one that is written by an A-list at this time, or produced by an A-list at this time team, which is Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan, the co-creators of Bane. This is probably three or four years after their like peak doing Batman stuff, but these are these are serious Bat creators in this book. Yeah, and I think it's because Chuck Dixon would absolutely play ball with anything DC wanted to do back yes. then, I feel. Yes. Now he will play ball with anything QAnon wants to do. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Am I wrong, Vince? You're right. Okay, thank you. When you're right, you're right. <laughs> um, there's This issue, what I had written down for my notes was um, just that there's an extended Pulp Fiction parody. In this yep. issue, <laughs> yeah, involves two apes ordering, uh, essentially a royale with cheese, and then uh, just talking like bad Quentin Tarantino characters. Um, Batman's a dick to Nightwing in this issue, which is a thing. Um, yeah, yeah there's, there's way too many monkey puns in this issue in particular. Yes, this might be the but- the punniest issue. Yeah, the the number of times throughout this whole event, though, that you're expected to 
chuckle at somebody saying they've gone bananas or right. stop monkeying around. Or going ape. Oh, yeah. Just just awful. There, there just was exactly one time. There's exactly one time I laughed at that, and we'll get to that eventually. Okay. Um, but this is a good time to, to sort of take a pause here because nothing else happens in this issue and talk about the, the annual event as a thing with running through oh. annuals. Um, when was the last time we remember DC doing this? It wasn't that long ago. I mean, I can think of I can think of somewhere annuals were incorporated, but not where it was purely an annual event. What's the one you're thinking of? Well, I'm thinking of like um, the wasn't the witching hour? Didn't that? encompass a couple annuals but then also the main series perhaps yes well so that the witching hour was one of those things i think that no it didn't have an annual it, it had it had it had one shots yes okay that two. yeah like, wasn't that the confusing wasn't that confusing like one of them was like Wonder Woman, JL Dark. Other uh, was JL Dark, Wonder Woman. Yeah, oh, they did that the same thing with Justice Milk League Wars. and Aquaman for the Drowned Earth. for that for the Drowned Earth. They did the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah, and Milk Wars. Milk Wars is kind of like this, actually. Yeah, actually, Milk Wars is a good call for this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will be an eventual yeah. topic on, on this show. Um, I cannot wait to get back to that. <laughs> compared there, to this, there's a lot of trash between there, though. Yeah, there is. Um, but what, what do you guys think of it as a format for an event? I think it's a fine format. I think it's a fine format. It's just not used well. It's really no different than any other kind of like crossover, necessarily. It's it's different in that you're making me read way too many pages for one story. So, okay, so that's the that's the annual problem yes. right there. Like we've talked about that on the show before too. Like every annual, at least in the modern. Okay, I like them when they're anthology style issues. Mm-hmm. When there's like at least three stories in an annual, that's great. When there's an annual these days, though, it's so clearly a regular story like a one-off stretched to 40 pages with absolutely no reason for it to be that long. Or, or it's like a 30 pager with like an eight page story added on. Sure. That, and that's like merciful if it's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I cannot stand the, the 20 page story stretched to 40 pages. And that's what all of these are. Are you telling me that any of these had to be 40 pages no, or whatever they not. were? Of course not. Yeah, I think that the annual event lends itself also to an event that is that isn't so linear and having those big stakes we talked about before, because just annuals don't come out at the same time. You know, Um, this almost reminds me a bit of like the um, the Hanna Barbera DC crossovers. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly bad. Is that why? Yeah, that, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of mostly bad, we get the Aquaman annual, 
written by a good writer, John Astrander, uh, illustrated by M.D. Um, Bright, who I have no idea who that is. I know I've seen that name before. Um, yeah, I know I have, but... Anyway, this comes in a weird time in the Aquaman continuity where Aquaman, Aquaman and Mira are divorced. Marvel. That's where I've seen it. What? <laughs> Sorry. Really? Yeah, Marvel. Remember oh, that? Oh, no. The, is that like the Mark Millar like thing with Mary Jane? No, uh, that's, that's no, the, that's... I'm thinking of. That's uh, something else. I know what Marvel is. What's Marvel the thing was Bill, Bill James. Bill. Bill Jemis, yeah. Yeah. What's the thing that I'm thinking of? That you're thinking of. It has a one-word title, like, doesn't it? Isn't it like. It's very yeah, similar to Marvel. And all the covers are like photographs of like yeah. real people. Ah, uh, talk amongst yourselves. Okay. Um, what I was gonna say is that this is a, a very confusing time in Aquaman because Aquaman. Trouble. What trouble? Trouble. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, Terry Dodson was the artist on that. Oh boy. Yeah. That's better. Um, but anyway, Aquaman and Mira are divorced. Tempest has knocked up Dolphin. And uh, they all become, and, and both Aquaman and Tempest become apes. Mira and Dolphin are spared that. And uh, the only thing of note in this issue, my favorite part of this issue, is that Aquaman and Tempest are about to fight again. And they're like, they're rushing towards each other. And Tempest looks like he's he's pissed off, and Aquaman is trying to get through to him. And then all of a sudden he goes, "You big lug! I've been through too much with you, Arthur. I'm with you." Like for no reason, he just changes alliances. There is no hint of that whatsoever in this whole issue. And that happens about halfway through, and there's still a lot of dreck to get through before the end of it. This is a really bad issue. Yep. Anything to add, Vince? Not to this one, no. Okay, now we're going to get to the worst comic of this whole batch. Is there any disagreement about that? Um, oh, I, I don't, I don't know if I can make that distinction because I'm going to be fully honest. I made it through all of <laughs> JLA, Batman, and Aquaman, and then I got to Wonder Woman. And, and read like out. the first ten pages of it, the epilogue, or maybe not even ten pages. It felt like ten or prologue. I mean, whatever the opening section. I read that, and then I just skimmed the rest of them, essentially. And I, I did read all of Martian Manhunter. I can't blame you because this is a shit sandwich. This is written by Dozel Young and illustrated by Brian Denham. Denham, Denham, whatever. It's this is this is impenetrable. There is so much going on here, and it, none of it makes any sense, and it's just absolute garbage. And my my biggest problem with it is the art, which is your your typical '90s pervy titty art. Yes, basically. This um, is this is by far the most '90s looking of the issues. Mm-hmm. Like when you think of stereotypical '90s big two comics, this is what you think about. Yeah, and uh, before somebody yells at me for like not reading closely enough or falling asleep halfway through some of these issues, 
it it seems to me, and this is where I noticed the problem. It seems to me like there's no rhyme or reason for whether the hero is an ape or not, or how they're able to re- revert back or not. A couple it's of like, issues deal with that. Most don't. Let, right. Let's be real. We had to go to lengths to read this comic. No one else is reading. No one is going to challenge us on any of this. There's, there is some, there is somebody who Robert Malin read <laughs> JLA, and he is going to be hollering at me on Farmers Only <laughs> about something I got wrong. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. No, some somebody has this collect. Somebody has this bound somewhere, <laughs> and they're like, they're crying right now because we don't like it. Um, oh man, that's a grim thought. It is a grim thought. Th- th- this issue sucks shit. I don't know what else to say. It's so <laughs> bad. Um, I had to go back and reread parts of this. Yeah, to understand it. And at a certain point, I just said, "Fuck it, I'm not even gonna try anymore." Not for this that's, issue. That's me for half of these issues, really. I did like this one point where an ape says, Tuggo? And that sounds like him asking for a hand job. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's take a break. We're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back with the issue I'm going to guess is the one Vince kind of liked. Yeah, you're right. Hey, before we get into that, can I just say that, like, we one thing I love about our show is that we don't... Um, talk about our personal lives or anything. There's a lot of podcasts that spend like the first half hour on like, what were you, what were you guys doing this week or whatever? Mm-hmm. But I have to say the other day, my wife and I went kayaking, my wife, my, my wife and I went kayaking uh, down the Minnehaha Creek for a few hours. And, uh, you know, w- with the, with the, with the, the sun dappled uh, leaves and the, the beautiful temperature and the water it, we just drifted down this beautiful river, and I all I could think was, God, instead of reading Jail Ape, I could be doing more of this. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I um, I did the same thing, except it was just sub out that being out. It, no, it was one piece. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Even better. Uh, Look, if if um, you really want to, you could have you could have mainlined this all in one day, like I did. I, I, I blow tried. my brains out. I really tried. Yes, the Flash Annual. Some of but, us have un- undiagnosed ADHD over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this was it, written by uh, Brian Augustine, illustrated by Doug Braithwaite, another good pair of creators. Yes. Augustine is like a Flash 
related creator, right? He doesn't he work with like Mark Wade a lot? I believe he's done so. Some, he's done some Flash stuff yes. for sure. Okay. This issue also had the best puns, which which was Chimpulse and Max Monkey. <laughs> is that the exception you were talking yes, about? Yes, I laughed at when I first saw Chimpulse. Yeah, Chimpulse this, this one cool. actually looked fun, and it featured who I just assumed everyone knew was the villain, uh, but then. We come back around at the end, and it's still in question. So I don't, I don't know. I yes, I do not get why they tried to make that a mystery. I I had the exact same experience. Zach. I agree. Yeah, that yeah. was weird. But in terms of these shit comics, this was the best one, like by a country mile. I agree, and 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 the vast majority of that had to do with the art for me. Yes, because like Doug Braithwaite's a great artist, first of all, but like. Just to talk in specifics, the the cityscapes that are in this, like, this actually feels like, an, I, again, not to disparage other artists or, like, say that they're doing hack work, but, like, Braithwaite puts, every, puts as much into this as he would the, the issue of, like, the most critically acclaimed quality comic out there. You know, like, the detail he puts into these to make the city feel, like, bustling and alive the the detail with which he draws the apes and like the actual like he can, he the range of of emotion like sometimes he makes them really silly and goofy looking yes S- sometimes they're serious when they need to be serious but they the the detail is never skimped on you know i chuckled several times at the art just just landing a joke by making the the gorilla itself look funny yes you know have a funny look on its face or when funny m- suggestion of movement or something like that, you know? Grodd walks into a room where people are doing research on monkeys and there's a, like a female scientist she's wearing a lab coat, she has a pearl necklace and she's <laughs> her jaw drops and there's a heart above her head because <laughs> she's like in love with Grodd. It's a brilliant panel. Yeah. Yeah, it's like top notch, and and I still think like even if, even if every book in this event looked like this, I don't think I'd like the event just on its face for the reasons I've already mentioned. But like, man, this issue went down so much better than any of the other ones because Agreed. of that because of that great art. Agreed. I don't have too much more to say in particular, but. Um... I'm also just a sucker for a Flash family, so. You you are. You really are. Yeah. All right, that brings us to the Superman annual, which, um, Monkeys of Steel. This one, written by two people we're very familiar with, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, illustrated by, is it, uh, Joe Joe Phillips? Phillips. Yeah. I felt like this was one of the annuals that just spent way too much time with the apes and not enough time with the heroes. Uh, in addition to just being, you know, generally bad. But I did, the one positive I'll say about this is that this issue has l- some good Lois stuff in it. Like, Lois is very much being Lois here. She is, she's helping to solve the, the, the mystery. She's, she's getting kidnapped. 
well, well, she lets herself be kidnapped essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, know, I know. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not be, I'm not trying to be woke here when I say that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I but just it, uh, go ahead. From sorry. from my skimming though, it it was handled pretty interestingly because it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like banana banana. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Even our, <laughs> even the puns are bleeding into our show. Yeah. Uh, it seems like G- Gorilla Superman goes up into Nims. space and and then, and then comes back down without clothes on. He's just a gorilla, but you assume that that's Superman. But um, it's not. Right. But it's not. But that's who eats Lois. So it's like, oh, no, Gorilla Superman ate Lois. But then it's revealed all of the things that happened after, um, yes. which is kind of a funny gag, I think, just a little bit. Yeah, I, I think this issue also doesn't look as bad as some of the others look. It's it's dated, but it's not offensively dated. Yeah, sure. I, I, I will say that I felt the second half of this event was stronger than the first half. Not like good stronger, just stronger. Like you had the Flash one, you had the, the Superman one, and we'll talk about the last two in a minute. Um, Vince, anything to add about the Superman animal? Um, there's a lot of weird political stuff in this. Yeah, there is. There, there was a lot of like, like we are moderates. <laughs> like, why, why are you so mad at us? We're they're they're very obsessed with the fact that that the the gorilla prince and princess are are political moderates. There there are a lot. There's a lot of politics in this. There's a lot of like leftist diatribe among yeah. like the UN members and things. There is there's the one gorilla that's that is that's a, a leftist, full-on Marxist. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Any other comments yeah. about this book? Oh, uh, Young Justice shows up at the end. Yes, that's yeah, right. Yes. Yep, I thought I was reading a Bendis comic for like half a second. Yeah. They they brought a giant exploding banana to try and help. <laughs> that part was that part was legitimately funny. I yeah. I gotta I gotta credit that to the, you know, a couple of very smart, talented writers just putting a, a fun gag in what's otherwise very. Uh, workmanlike efforts. Yeah. Uh, so the next issue is the Green Lantern Annual, written by Keith Giffen, illustrated by Octavio Cariello and John Nadeau. I am. Uh, I'm just gonna say this one rivaled the Wonder Woman one for impenetrable in the beginning, but I felt that the end of it was slightly better but when the, when this started i was like oh this is just keith giffen smelling his own farts all over this yeah, book. that is that is absolutely what it is yeah oh man i cannot i oh. alan scott's in this one and the metal man and the metal man yeah and guy gardner I, I just can't, like, Keith Giffen just had to uh, make, like, every gorilla on the page interject with some inane joke 
that's not funny. Like for basically the entirety of this issue. This is like the worst of the Bwahaha comedy. Oh man, I don't get it. I can't stand any of that stuff. You're wrong about some of it, but not all of it. I, I mean, <laughs> point point me to what what I liked Omac. You know, Doom point Patrol, me to another Doom Patrol is good. Is it Doom Patrol is good? Yeah. Some someday I'll get to it, but like, it, I mean, I remember it being good. It's been a long time since I read it, but I I think it still holds up. I'll argue that about half of JLI is very good. I'll I'll get to that eventually, I guess. I have to. <laughs> yes, you 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 have signed a blood oath. I have. <laughs> I basically have. Yeah. Uh, I will say that the one thing I I will give given credit for is I think that it was fun to bring in characters like the Metal Men and the former Green Lanterns in Allen and Guy. That's a that's a fun premise. The the comic isn't very good, but at least at least there was something going on there, I guess. Anyway, that brings us to the merciful conclusion, the second Martian, the the second one written by uh, Len Frank Leminski Kaminsky, uh, Martian Manhunter Annual, illustrated by Mark Probst and Claude Saint. I'm sorry, Gus Vasquez did the pencils. Mark Probst and Claude Saint Aubin did the inks. Um, so Zach, you you mentioned a bit from this one before. Talk talk about what happens in this issue. Well, I mean a lot a lot happens, but there's a fun, really funny bit where crap, I don't even remember who goes on this little quest. Is it's it, John. It, it is John. Okay, yeah. I couldn't remember if it was John or if it was somebody else. Um, goes on this quest trying to figure out who is behind the guerrilla warfare. And he goes and talks to essentially all of the ape-related heroes in the DCU. So he talks to Detective Chimp. He talks to Kong Gorilla. He talks to... Um... Mala. <sighs> yes. Oh, Mala. Oh, that was fantastic. That bit. The best bit of writing in the whole thing, I think, was the, the Mala section. Um yeah, that that was all very good. Uh, you, you know, I'm a con gorilla, Mark. You know, mm-hmm. I like Bobo. Uh, that that was all very good. Best part of the whole the whole uh, story. Samuel Simeon. Who is that? He's the artist, the cartoonist. That's right. Is he is he in anything else? I think so. It would be weird to create a new character for this. Yeah, I've just I've never heard of him, I don't think. Vince, did you have any thoughts about this uh Marshman Hunter comic? Um not that no, not really. Not I I didn't find it particularly good. I thought the conclusion was pretty rote. Um the next time we see Grodd, he's just like totally back to normal right yes yeah yeah i the the best bit was the flash and you know leave all the rest in the dumpster uh by the way zach uh sam simeon debuted in 1968 okay he's a telepathic uh gorilla later later he was retconned to be the grandson of gorilla grod Okay, son of 
What's his name? Gabagool. Gabagool Mammoth. Son of Gabagool. I want that on my tombstone. Here lies Brian Salvatore, son of Gabagool. You cannot serve both Grodd and Mammoth. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And with that, I think we should. Yeah, the rest of this is shit. This is a bad event, guys, but again, I'm glad we gave it the old college try. We did. I'm not. I'm not glad. <laughs> it's uh it's weird. It's really weird. And I I mean I know that there are other of these types of events. Like Brian, you mentioned bloodlines, which we did not read. Um I'm I'm sure that there are other ones that probably deserve the attention as much or more than um than Jay Lape did, but you know, it's I at least we tried. I've always heard of Jay Lape. It always seemed quirky and fun, and it was quirky, but it it wasn't necessarily fun. But we did it. We we did it for the fans. We did. We survived. So, all right. What are we reading next time, Vincey? You're you're up for the uh, the lead in the episode. So what what are we reading? I guess we're reading our worlds at war, and we're we're spreading that out over. Three weeks, is it? Uh, that's the plan. Uh, I'm going to say that we should uh, we should read this week's, and if we feel like we can get two weeks into one show, for the next one we just do two weeks worth. Does that make so, sense? So, so we're going to do this in two weeks instead I, of three? I think, we should, I think we should read the first, like read the first third. And if we feel we can do the next two thirds together, do the next two thirds together. If not, three weeks is fine. <clears throat> okay. Why does right. that bother you? It doesn't. It doesn't. You're uh-huh. a genius. You are. You are. Our... <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> what I just meant was that if, Every, if, if everything you brief... say is right. I just meant if these are easier reads than we thought. There's no reason for you to do three weeks. That's all. Sound logic. It would be like twenty issues a week. So we'll do three weeks. I'm fine with that. I'm no, not. I, the, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not the one who was. Uh, who was we'll do pre- your way. No, 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 my way was. If three- anything, if anything, this is on me because if if JL Ape was on Brian, I feel like our world at war is on me because true. I kind of want to read it once again. I'm the uncancelled boy. <laughs> what I was going to say, though, I don't, I don't know that this is cancelable material. I don't know. JLA piss. Yeah. What I will Definitely. say, Vince, sorry, Brian. That's fine. Did you sign the letter, Brian? Huh? <laughs> the, the New York Times thing. Oh, extremely, God. In, oh, cool. in, ex- extremely up my own asshole. Uh, oh, that's yeah. that's, that, that's the most insulting thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> Hands down. What I was gonna say though, you asshole, is I only one of us is balking at three weeks, and that's why I was I was trying to make a concession for you. I am fine doing this over three weeks. Huh? I'm not balking at three weeks. I'm I'm saying it. I'm saying. Are you balking? No, at just, I'm, at the, I'm at doing the comic. If we're gonna do this event, I, I'm I'm not balking at three weeks. I feel like three weeks is the most appropriate. Okay, so we'll do three weeks. 
I, I well, just think it's, talk I think about it's funny. a little bit longer. <laughs> we should. We're going to. I just think it's funny that like. I just think it's funny that like, uh, and I understand why this is the case. It's it's purely based on on issue number, but like, you know, we we did we did uh, some of these events in one show, and then we do our worlds at war, you know, <laughs> versus all kinds of great events we've talked about. And we have to spread that one over three weeks. Well, it's like it's like uh, I know it's super long. One it's, one million was it, it's about as long as one million. But that one million is the gabagool, and we all it's, knew that. It's good, yeah, it is good. Not all of it was good though. Yeah, most was, of it was good. It was mostly a hit. But here's the here's the good news though. You ready for the good news, Vincey? Sure. After three weeks of our worlds at war, we get identity crisis. Oh baby. And that's I'm just, just one week. I'm just happy that Emily's going to be on the show for that one. Yeah, we, that's going to be fun. We have a murderer's row of guests lined up for the next few episodes after Our World's at War. So stop crying. It's, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. I'm not crying. I'm not crying. You're crying. I think Our World's at War is going to be good. I don't well, know why I, you guys are upset. I'm not upset. Know. I don't. Joe, I'm, Joe Kelly is good. Joe Casey is good. I think Joe Casey is on that. Ed McGinnis is good. I'm not saying it's not gonna be good. I recently I just, read the JSA issue and it was quite good. Nobody, nobody ever talks about it for some reason. I feel like this whole period of DC, no one talks about. Like from '99 to 2003 is just this dead zone of yeah. DC comics. From one million to uh, Infinite Crisis, Re- I did it. Yeah. Identity, even, Re- yeah. Identity, sure. even. Yeah, I think identity, identity. Identity crisis was supposed to be the big return. Yeah. Yeah, identity and rebirth both started in 04, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. That that was the year that DC got its mojo back. In, and in and identity wasn't even good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Boy, I thought it was though. Yes. Well, I did too. We have that to look forward to in a few weeks. Before then, if you if you want to get in touch with two thirds of us, I am on Twitter at Brian is an app. And I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to get in touch with Vince, you can't do it because he's too busy just complaining that he's not fucking Huck Finn going mm-hmm. down a going down a uh a river on a on a piece of wood or something, and uh, he said he has to read these comics. It's so hard to read these comics. He just wants to be out there in nature, you know, just enjoying himself. He does want that. Doesn't sound like me at all. <laughs> uh, let's play back the tape, folks. But until then, <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thanks. All right, are you guys ready to talk about this Dunstan checks in?